I said, isn't he good? Amen, amen, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles. We're glad to have the youth staying in with us this morning. Uh, we'll be mindful of your time. I am aware we have a very, very busy day ahead of us, but I want to take time for God to move this morning in your life. Amen. Somebody say amen. I want God to move in your life today. Amen. How many of you want God to move in your life? Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I will begin with verse 26, reading four verses here. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Verse 28, and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. I'm going to speak to you by the help of the Lord today. I hope that I minister to some of you today who feel like, you ever just feel like, you know, we sing that song, if you can use anything, God, you can use me. But we feel like that we may be the exception. Anybody in here ever feel that way? Anybody ever feel that way? You feel like maybe God could use everybody else, but maybe not me. But today, by the help of the Lord, I want to speak to you. God chooses unlikely people. God chooses unlikely people. Lord, help us this morning to speak what you have laid up on our heart. I pray right now, God, that every heart in the building be touched by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, that the inspiration of your Spirit would touch every life and every heart this morning, oh God, that we would be able to minister as you see fit in this service today. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Let everybody say in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated. They say that the, the most unlikely people often do the most extraordinary things. And that is certainly true in the Bible and certainly true with many people that I know who have been um, involved in the work of the Lord for many years of their life. A quick read through some of the most pop popular stories in the Bible will reveal that God rarely uses people that you would expect him to use, but instead God will choose someone that is unlikely and that person he will choose to elevate. I think uh, if I'm understanding correctly that God is not interested in people's talents and abilities as much as he is interested in their spirit and usability and then what will happen when God uses them, how they will handle being used of God. I think these things, the attitude in which people will move forward in life, many people say they want the power of God, but I'm not sure they could handle the power of God. I don't know about you, but I have met a few people from time to time, and I have wondered why they've been through what they are, what they're going through, and I've seen some people that, that need to go through some things. And I think, well, if I was God, 
perhaps that's why I'm not God. But the Lord has a tendency in Scripture, we see that He uses run-of-the-mill people in life. We see that He uses very unlikely people to accomplish His will and ultimately do great things. And the reason is to reveal the glory of God, not the glory of the person. God is interested in His glory being revealed to mankind. And so He will choose people that are unlikely to elevate, to bless, to use, and to take to new levels. It's interesting to note that these specific types of people that He uses that God doesn't show favoritism, that he will use the young and the old, he will use the wealthy and the poor, he will use the gifted, and he will use the untalented. He will use the educated and the uneducated. We can see that God will even use people with failure in their life. Can I minister to somebody this morning? That just because you have failure in your life, man has a tendency to disqualify you. Man has a tendency not to forgive you, but God can use people whose lives are filled with failure. He can turn things around. If you're here this morning thinking that where you are and what you've been involved in has taken you too far away from God, I come this morning to tell you that God will use unlikely individuals. Noah was... Uh, Noah was a drunkard and Abraham was an old man when God came and brought about a miracle in his life. He sent Moses to lead the people, the children of Israel, out of bondage and to deal with a Pharaoh, yet he had a speech impediment. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer and turned into a murderer, yet was known as the man after God's own heart. Jonah was a man who ran from God and was literally cast out from his people. Jonah uh, found grace in the eyes of the Lord in that the Lord had already prepared a way for his failure. Don't let your failure uh, make you feel like that you're never going to find a way out. It may be in the middle of your failure that God's grace shows up and rescues you. Matthew was a politician, a tax collector. Uh, there was a little boy in Scripture who, he, he was just a, a lad that had five loaves and two fish. He was a lad and didn't have much, but God still used him to bring about one of the greatest miracles. And you can't go through this list without talking about the man named Saul. Saul was a persecutor of Christians, yet Saul had an encounter with God, and his name was changed to Paul, and he go, went on to uh, write so much of the New Testament. He was a man that was greatly used of God after being greatly in opposition of the people of God. As I looked through, I couldn't help but feel like that, uh, that maybe uh, I needed to consider the fact that, that here is my life now. And uh, I, I don't know if you feel that way this morning about you, but I say every time God uses me in some space, special way, I quickly recognize I shouldn't be the one that God's using. Some of us withhold from God and prevent God from being able to use us when the gifts of the Spirit began to operate. We 
pull back and draw back because we feel that we are unworthy. We feel we are unlikely. We feel that we are the person that maybe shouldn't be uh, the one that God is using in such a powerful way. But I come this morning to tell you that God is no respecter of persons. He is more interested in his glory being revealed than he is the person that he uses to reveal his glory. Can I tell you this morning that it's not about your gifts, your talents, or your abilities. It is about the spirit that you manifest, your willingness to be used, and how you handle God using you. If I look through the scripture in 2 Kings, I read a story about some men uh, that uh, were lepers. They were the outcast of society. They were, uh, they were the unlikely to ever uh, do anything. Once they were uh, stricken with leprosy and it was revealed that they had leprosy. They were uh, cast outside of the city and they were put outside of the city gate. They, they had a stigma about them. They not only had a sickness, they not only had to deal with a disease, they no longer, they, 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 they not only had to deal with poverty, they no longer, no, no, uh, not only had to deal with, uh, with, with all of the things that came along with leprosy, but uh, now they had to deal with isolation. They had to deal uh, with being away from their family. They had to deal with being pushed out. They were the most unlikely people. But there is a story there in 2 Kings that talks about these people that uh, were outside of the city and they were starving to death. They were starving to death because there was famine inside the city. The people that were supposed to be benevolent to bring food to them didn't even have enough food for themselves. And so now these leprous men were banished to the outside of the city, sitting outside of the gates, begging alms of people who didn't have any alms to give. And they're there wondering what is life going to hold. Hunger has now set in. Disease is now uh, smitten their body. They are at a point that they have uh, no other options. Why is it that we wait till we get there? But they had no other options. They were sitting there and in a conversation they are looking outside and they could see across the rolling hills. They could see perhaps the smoke from the fires of the enemy that had come in and had besieged Samaria and had taken all of their goods, their, their flour and their meal and all of their wealth and they had taken it outside of the city. And they were enjoying it and they were living it up outside of the city. Yet these four men are sitting at the outside of the gate. They are looking into a city that wouldn't have them and has no way to help them. They're looking out into the countryside at the people who have now ravaged the city and taken everything from them. They realize that if they stayed as they are, they would simply 
die. They could not survive where they were. And they began to look one to another and began to talk about the shape that they were in. This is where I come with the message this morning to speak to some of us who are in this room today. It does not matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you are going through right now. Whether it is physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, whatever it is you're going through, I want to compare where you are with the with exactly where the four leprous men were that day sitting outside of the gate. They didn't fit in with the enemy and they didn't fit in with the city. They couldn't go into their family and they had nowhere to get any help from. They were caught somewhere in the middle understanding. They looked at one another and said, if we sit here, we will die. I come this morning to tell you that sitting on the outside, sitting on the outskirts is no place for a child of God to try to live life and remain. I've come this morning to remind you it doesn't matter if you've been hurt, if you've been offended, if you've just gotten upset, or if you've got some serious situation going in your life that you feel has banished you to where you are. I come this morning with a word for you to tell you if you stay where you are you will die you must get up and go and declare I refuse to sit here and die don't sit there and die don't sit in your problem and die don't sit in your situation until you die. Don't stay where you are and suffer until you die. You've got to make up in your mind, I will get up from where I am and I will make a run for it one way or the other. Watch. The leprous men said, if we go back into the city, They'll kill us. We're not allowed to go back in the city. The law says we, we are outside of the city. Uh, we are banished because of all the things that's going on in, in our lives. We are outcast from the city. If we go back in, they will kill us. If we go out to the enemy, they're looking out. They know the city doesn't have anything to offer us anyway, and they'll kill us if we go there. But if we look out to the city, out to uh, the enemy's camp, and we begin to, to recognize that they have all the food, and all the things, but if we go there, he said there, there is an option that when we get there, they may kill us. If we stay here, they're going to kill us. And if we go inside the city, they're going to kill us. They recognized where they were. I come this morning to tell you that you've got to recognize where you are. If we go back in the city, they kill us. We stay here, we die. If we go out to the enemy's camp, that is the only chance they could kill us. But the scripture said that those four leprous men said, there is a chance that they may save our lives. They may save us alive. It's the only chance that we have. They got up from where they were, and these four unlikely individuals began to make their way toward the enemy's camp. They began to make their way out to the place where all of the food was, where all of their belongings and all of the wealth of the city had been taken. 
And when they began to make a move, then God began to move. There's some folks saying, I don't know what God's waiting on. I'm going to tell you this much. God's probably waiting on you. As long as you're okay sitting where you are, as long as you're okay just being like you are, you're probably going to keep wondering how long is it going to be before God moves. God is not going to move until He sees you make a move. He's more willing to give than we are to receive. But there must be a step of faith on our part before God will step in and begin to to work. So they are sitting outside the city. They said if we go into the city, they kill us, we die, we stay here. If we go there, they could save us alive. But they may kill us. But we have nothing, no other choice left. They get up from where they are and they started into the, 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 toward the enemy's camp. And as they started toward the enemy's camp, the Bible tells us that there were some things that began to happen. There were some things that God began to do that they could not do for themselves. This may be the dilemma in which some of us may find ourselves in from time to time. Come on, is it all right if I preach to myself a little bit this morning? This may be the dilemma that, they, that we find ourselves in. It may be that we don't know what's going to be the outcome, but all we know is that we've got to take a step of faith and just start doing whatever makes the best sense to do. But we know if we sit here, we will surely die. Am I in the Scripture this morning? If we sit here, we will surely die. They recognized their dilemma and they got up and started going toward the enemy's camp. As they began to go toward the enemy's camp, the Bible said that they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp, when they got there, there was nobody there when they arrived. The reason there was nobody there was between their decision to get up from their dilemma and to do something, God began to work where they could not even see. They were surprised when they got there to find nobody at the enemy's camp. Anybody with me this morning? They were shocked to get there and to discover there's nobody home. The tent is still standing. The fire is still smoldering. All of the goods and the food are st- is still uh, there. They perhaps had something, uh, you know, they're, they're cooking lunch, and all of a sudden they realize, uh, we got to get out of here. They cut out, and they just leave it cooking, and in walks uh, these four leprous men, and, and dinner's on. So they just sit down and begin to eat a meal they didn't even prepare. Because the Syrians fled because God did for the four leprous men what they could not do for themselves. Here's what the Bible said. First of all, let me say that God will always honor faith. 
But faith without works is dead. So you got to get up from where you, you are in your dilemma and decide, I am going to do something about my problem. If I stay here, I'm going to die. Well, what if we go in? We're going to die. I don't know. But all I know is we are going forward by faith. I went into a meeting this week and I spoke with someone about a need of the church and they looked at me with a little sneer on their face and said, well, what if we decide not to help you? I said, we're going to go forward by faith. Going to go forward by faith. I don't know what God's going to do, but I know God's got it all in control. We're going to go forward by faith. When I don't know what to do, I refuse to sit here and die. We go forward by faith. Respond to your dilemma this morning by faith. I feel my help coming today. The help of the Lord is in the house. Somebody's dealing with sickness. Somebody's dealing with despair. Respond with faith this morning and say, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to sit here and die. I'll get up and I will go forward by faith. I will go forward. I will go forward by faith. Hallelujah. They didn't sleep to noon. They didn't pull the covers over their head. They didn't sit with their, uh, they had every reason to be depressed. The Bible said they rose up in the twilight. They didn't wait They didn't sit around and bemoan their trouble and say, well, they're lucky that I'm going to get up and even do anything. They got up and they went after it. And when they got there, they found that was no man there. But verse 6 tells us what God did. For the Lord made the host, we're talking about a mighty army, Here's a mighty army that is camped with all the goods. They're camped holding all the goods. For the Lord made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots. Just four lepers trying to make their way. But the Lord took their faith that they put into action to go forward by faith. I don't know where the sound of chariots come from because the Bible doesn't give us any indication that the leprous men rode in on chariots. They didn't have a chariot. If they did, they would have already sold it to buy some food. They didn't have any way to move forward in a chariot but the Lord. Everybody say the Lord. But the Lord caused. Everybody say the Lord caused. The Lord caused the host of the Syrians to hear the sound of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great army, a great host. That's what they heard when four men got up from their dilemma and said, we're going forward by faith. We may die when we get there, but all I know is if we sit here, we're going to die. Come on, CLC. Somebody's going through it today. You got to get up from where you are. You got to go forward by faith and you got to let the Lord to cause your enemy to hear the sound of chariots of horses and of a mighty army your faith will make some noise
Oh, I dare you right now to get up on your feet and let the faith of your praise begin to make some noise in this house that scares the enemy half to death. I'm in my dilemma. I'm going through it today. But God is going to make a way for me. I'm in a struggle today, but God's going to make a way for me. Your praise will confuse your enemy. Oh, come on, praise Him with a loud voice. Praise Him with a hand clap. Praise Him with all you have this morning. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you one word. I got one more word before I'm done here. Stay standing with me. The Syrians heard the noise of chariots and horses and a mighty host. And they thought, they thought that the king of Israel had hired two armies to come out and to destroy them. This is what God did. God messed with the minds of the enemy. Let me tell you what your faith will do today. If you refuse to sit where you are and die and you get up and say, by faith, I'm going to go forward, I want to tell you what will happen. There's no telling what God will do for you, but your faith, your faith. How in the world was the children of Israel going to be able to hire two nations of armies to go out and fight when they were just taken for everything they had? The Lord messed with the minds of their enemy. And I want to tell you what your faith and what your praise will do to your enemy. It will confuse your enemy. Because human nature says when I'm feeling bad, my countenance shows that I'm not feeling good. But faith said I will offer up to him a sacrifice of praise. And so I praise him even when I don't feel good. See, we want to live by emotions and feeling, but faith said live by the purpose by which God has called you and he can use you. You see, you think God can't use you, but what happened through this little story is that God opened the the doors and the four lepers were saved, but the story doesn't end there because they, the four lepers, the unlikely, the outcast, went back into the city and they said, come, let us show you where all your goods are, where all the food is. And by the end of the day, the people of God had came into the camp of Syria and they took all of their belongings and they took them back into the city. And there was a festival time and the economy was so good that they were practically giving food away in the city because of four unlikely men that got up and did an unlikely thing. I want to tell you this morning, if you do what is likely, you will give in to the enemy. You will give up. You will let your feelings drive you. You will let your pain cause you to sit where you are. You will let your hurt cause you to stay where you are. But I dare you this morning to get up by faith and declare in the name of the Lord, I'm not going to sit here and die. I'm going to go into the host 
of Syria and I'm going to go after what has been taken from me and I'm going to take that step of faith. Anybody in this room today, anybody in this room today made up your mind, I'm going to do what is very unlikely. I'm going to praise him when I don't feel like it because my praise will confuse the enemy. The enemy's going to say, my goodness, what in the world is going on? God will use your praise to confuse the enemy. The enemy will hear a great host, the sound of chariots and horses. Come on, let your praise out this morning. Let your praise out this morning. God's working for you. God's on your side. You can't do it for yourself. You're not supposed to do it for yourself. Let your faith do the work. Let your praise do the work today. Let God step in. Let God make a way out of no way. Oh, come on, let your faith out today. today. He's on your side today. what I want you to do now. I want you to link up with somebody that's next to you, maybe in groups of about four or so. Come on, link up with somebody and declare in the name of the Lord, we're going to go forward by faith. Come on, that's it. That's it. If one can put a, fly, a thousand of flight and two ten thousand, if four leprous men God can use for the Syrians to hear a whole host, I wonder what could happen right now. If three or four or five of you good people of faith that are linked up together and declare in the name of the Lord, we are going forward by faith. Come on, pray for your brother or your sister right now. Speak a word of faith right now. In the 